Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with Cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and things flapping their wings on Birds with friends. All I know is Zach said he has a game where Shields don't read both 7,000 And I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, that's really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Monday afternoon. You probably won't hear this until Monday evening, maybe even a Tuesday morning. We'll see, you know, maybe it'll take even longer. Depends how much you want to procrastinate your Birds with Friends. This is Bo Wolf, joined, as always, by Shilka Padia and Zach Berman with Marissa Morris controlling the ones and twos. Sheil, how was your weekend? How you doing? It's my weekend. Who cares, really? Well, we got a new OC. We got a new DC since we last spoke. Uh, we have not met the new coach yet, but uh, I guess there's a little bit to get to. So let's get this over with. Yeah, that's debatable. Uh, Zach, what you, we could go right into it. What you want to hit us with the with the Stone Cold Newsman right from the top? Sure, if if you would like. I I, I thought there would be more pleasantries at the top, no, but I, no, I like that we're getting right into this. Please take him <laughs> up on it for this one time. He's actually offering it. Sure. Uh, so are we going with uh, music on the... I'll do it in post. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Marissa. It's okay. I'll cut this okay. out. No, no. Leave it all in. Everybody <laughs> wants to know how the sausage is made. Cue music. The, the Eagles are hiring Jonathan Gannon as their offensive, uh, as their defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon spent the past three seasons Johnny as, Guns. The, as the defensive backs coach with the Indianapolis Colts, was reportedly in high demand. Uh, if he was not going to be the defensive coordinator here, he would have been the defensive coordinator elsewhere. So that is the defensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator, according to multiple reports, will be Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers last season, worked with Justin Herbert. The year before was the interim offensive coordinator, had previously been the quarterback's coach. Interestingly, uh, he worked with Nick Sirianni with the, uh, uh, with the Chargers, but Sirianni was moved from quarterback's coach to wide receiver's coach to make room for Shane Steichen. So uh, that's another piece of news with the coaching staff. The Eagles are also going to bring in Kevin Petullo, I believe is how you pronounce it. He uh, was he's going to be the passing game coordinator for the Eagles. Had a similar role with the Colts. Had been the wide receivers coach with the Colts, and then they moved his position so they can bring in Mike Rowe. You see how all of these things seem to connect here. Uh, additionally, Jeff Stoutland 
is expected to stay on with the Eagles after Alabama came hard after him, and there uh, was a thought a few weeks ago that perhaps Stoutland would be going down to Tuscaloosa. It looks like he'll be remaining with the Eagles. However, Deuce Staley does not appear to be remaining with the Eagles. According to multiple reports, he is going to the Detroit Lions, where he will be the assistant head coach and the running backs coach. Uh, in other news, uh, I, I should say John Dorsey, who was a consultant with the Eagles, he is going to Detroit as well. Uh, now, I, I know there were or there was some speculation that perhaps Dorsey would take on a larger role in the front office. My understanding is it never went beyond the consultant role, and he'll have more say and a more defined role in Detroit. Now, Zach, any truth to the rumor that the quarterback's coach will be Jason Siegel, uh, the wide receiver's coach is going to be Pee Wee Herman, and the tight end's coach is going to be uh, Sully Sullenberger? I have not heard that rumor. I don't mm. believe so. Uh, I like just Jason naming Siegel. some. I'm just naming some white guys. <laughs> those are the white guys you yeah, picked Those out. are the three white guys you thought I, got, I very quickly wrote down th- the three white people who came to mind. So, that's what, that's wait, so let's... Pee Wee Herman? What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> let's unpack this. When you think of a white guy, the first white guy you think of is Jason Siegel. I don't know. It's just what I, I came can up see, with. I can see Siegel. I could actually kind of see that. Uh, you know, him, he pops in your head when you're thinking... Prototypical white guy, but uh, Pee Wee Herman, I would not put in that uh, same category. <laughs> and, I must and, say. and Zoe Solenberger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that one's odd also. yeah, you needed to, add, needed to add some experience to the staff. I don't oh, think God. those three have ever been linked together before in their entire life, but apparently they are the trio <laughs> that, that, that represents white people. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to make a political joke, so I, that's what I stuck with. So there you go. Um, there is one um, African American coach who has been linked. Uh, did you mention Tracy Rocker, the uh, I have not. L- line coach, uh, who is the father of Kumar Rocker, the outstanding the, the, pitcher, the, the yeah. king of the sports Indians right now. Who reported that? I like you know I like yeah, that attribution. So, so uh, Pete Thamel from Yahoo, mm-hmm. okay, and and Tracy Rocker, who uh, he's a former NFL defensive line coach. He was defensive line coach with the Titans about a decade ago. Primarily in, college. That was his only yes. NFL job. And, yeah, and, he, and if you want to talk about the uh, continued connections, you might you might have been about to say this. He replaced Jim Washburn there. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I did not put that together. I, I like that. Uh, he had been, had been around the SEC. Uh, I, I had a successful run at Georgia. He was with South Carolina last season. Just got hired by Auburn, but now uh, – this report's accurate, and knowing Pete Thamel, the report is accurate, that uh, he'll be the defensive line coach with the Eagles. Okay, who should who 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 should we start with here? I think we should start with Gannon because yeah, that seems agree. to me to be the most important hire for uh, a quarterback with no <clears throat> de- or a head coach with no defensive background. Uh, Shil, why don't you give us the you know the scouting report on the, the Colts defense at least? Not that not that Gannon was the Colts defense, but you know what is his uh, what is his background? Well, I would say his last two stops would be of note okay. and, and interesting, not just the Colts. So he's been uh, with the Colts for sure, but 
prior to that, he coached under Mike Zimmer with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I would not want my uh, head coach probably to be a protege of uh, Mike Mike Zimmer or to follow all of his you know overall philosophy and in game stuff and uh, how he coaches offensive coordinators and all those things. Although I, I think he has been a fine head coach, but I I think he's been you know one of the brightest defensive minds in the NFL, one of the best defensive coaches over the last I don't know. Uh, what would be a good time frame? 10 years? 15 yeah, I years? I think he could go 15 years. Yeah, it's been a while. And, and you he, know what he, he does? You know what he does, Shield? What they oh do with, him, with Mike Zimmer? <laughs> they, they have that double A gap blitz that you got to yeah. watch out for. <laughs> Which we, we've talked about uh, often here. So uh, you look at Zimmer and then you look at the Colts. So the, the basics are, you know, 4-3 defenses. So, you know, and, and again, we are projecting here. I mean, Gannon could come in and say, well, I liked a little bit of what he did, but you know who I've really been studying is Wade. You know, he could have his own mm-hmm. ideas. And so we are just going off of the two sort of systems and the two coaches he's coached with in his last two stops. So that would be 4-3. That would be many more uh, – two deep safety looks than the Eagles have used under Jim Schwartz. If you look both at, uh, at Mike Zimmer's Vikings and you look at the Indianapolis Colts, the Colts, I think ran cover two, which is uh, a two deep zone with with five underneath defenders. I think they ran that at one of the highest uh, percentages in the entire NFL last year. These were both uh, very big zone defenses. Now, when I say that, it's not like they play zone every snap. Every team plays both zone and man. You don't do just one, but if you're looking at just the percentages based on uh, some of the sites out there, true media, uh, pro football focus, sports information solutions, all these places that chart these coverages and there's going to be human error, they would tell you that they were heavier zone coverages than man coverage. And the Eagles have have seen an uptick in man uh, over the last two years, I would say. That was obviously a reason why they traded for a guy like Darius Slay. So uh, those are some of the kind of characteristics of the defenses he's coached with. And if you look at the Colts last year, uh, only one team blitzed less often than the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. Now, Zimmer, I feel like he usually... Uh, changes his, you know, some of that stuff based on his personnel. If he's got edge rushers who he thinks can get after the quarterback and he's comfortable, um, you know, with his corners or, you know, he'll base it based on his personnel, his strengths and weaknesses. So I don't know that you can necessarily categorize him there, but the Colts uh, last year, certainly it was four, three, four man rush with DeForest Buckner leading the way and a lot of zone coverages and a lot of two deep safety looks. Zach. Anything to add? Regarding the scheme, no, I, I would add to that <laughs> that he had a, a very good reputation in Indianapolis of developing young defensive backs. And if you look at their secondary, they've invested draft picks in that position. Uh, uh, this year, Julian Blackman, their second-round pick, I believe, was very productive. They took Rocky Asin. Um, they, they had, uh, well... They took, I believe, Kenny Moore off of waivers, but but he's been very productive. Uh, they have a handful of, of young defensive backs that have played well, and that is a position of, of weakness for the Eagles as far as as far as development. The Eagles have struggled developing defensive backs, so you wonder if if that's one particular position to watch. I imagine in the draft, the Eagles will be active at cornerback and potentially even safety. Uh, so pay close attention to that. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's pretty interesting when you look at the personnel. Uh, Julian Blackman was certainly outstanding as a safety for them this year. Rocky Sin, I would say, has been a disappointment uh, over the past two years. 
for them. I don't think he's come along the way they wanted him to come along, and he certainly had some injury issues this year. Uh, Kenny Moore was their slot corner, and he was one of those guys that, like, every time you watch the Colts, he was making amazing plays, and he actually took to Twitter to, uh, I think, say Gannon was the best coach he's ever played under. So, you know, that that's one player's endorsement, but, you know, you would rather have that than, uh, thank God this guy's out of here and we can move on to somebody else like we talked about with Matt Patricia. I think that the it is going to be interesting to see what type of corners they go after, you know, because this is very different than sort of trading for a guy like Darius Slay. You know, if they had moved to this scheme and this coach before last year, I don't think you trade for a, a man cover guy like Darius Slay. Now, again, you want all your corners to be able to cover in man when it's uh, third down. I mean, there are going to be situations where you have to play man coverage, and certainly the Colts did that, but it's not like you were going to be, you're going to be among the top five, six, seven teams in terms of percentage of man coverage. You know, you need guys who can rally and and tackle, and I would think you want uh, certainly physical guys out there if you're playing a lot of cover two. So uh, just kind of interesting when you look at what type of prospects the Eagles could be looking looking for in terms of cornerbacks and whether they believe it makes sense to spend uh, big time resources at that position this offseason. And obviously this is an interesting hire because it is not like the counterbalance to Sirianni that you might have expected. And, uh, you know, to your point, Zach, there was a a report from Albert Breer on Twitter that, uh, you know, Gannon would have been the Eagles target even if they had hired Josh McDaniels. McDaniels was also um, eyeing Gannon as, as his defensive coordinator to pair with so it is not like they're just like plucking this guy out of obscurity it it does seem like he had some uh you know some helium as it were but it is not you know this is a guy who has not been a defensive coordinator before Nick Sirianni has not been a head coach before nor has he even called plays if that is what he intends to do um you know we'll, we'll get to Steichen in a minute he he does have a little bit of experience one year doing the job he's being hired to do but uh you know this is this is not like a um, a plug-and-play system that the Eagles are um, importing here. It seems like this. This is they are undertaking um, something, and they're signaling that this. They they acknowledge that this is going to be sort of a a multi-year process. I think that uh, you know these guys are going to take some time to grow into their jobs. And it, like Jeffrey Lurie said that on his phone call to Sirianni, like we're excited about the coach you are and the coach you can become. So um, it's a little bit bizarre, but but it, it's interesting. Well, they're yeah, not the like whole phone call was very bizarre. That's <laughs> yeah, we for can sure. get to the phone call, um, but they were yeah they're not bringing in like you know John Fox or whoever to be the head sure. coach of the defense. They're bringing in a guy who they think um, you know at least Sirianni thinks can can just do a good job. So defensive coordinators are are pretty interesting to study. If if you look at the two defensive coordinators in the Super Bowl. Uh, they're they're veteran coordinators who who are former head coaches, right? Like they fit that profile. And in in fact, three of the top five defenses in DVOA this year uh, were former head coaches who 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 have taken over defenses. So so that is a model that teams often go to with a uh, an, an offensive minded coach uh, because that guy can essentially be the head coach of the defense. The flip side of that is you look at the two defensive coordinators who've been hired as head coaches this cycle, Brandon Staley and, and Robert Sala, and both of them fit almost the exact profile of Gannett. Uh, now, you know, they were, both posi- uh, 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 they were both position coaches for three years. They were both hired as defensive coordinators in their late 30s. Uh, in Staley's case, he had called defenses 
in the past in college. So that's that's a, a little bit of a difference. But really, that's the profile that the Eagles are going for here. They're going for the Brandon Staley, Robert Sala profile. And if he's good, maybe he's hired somewhere else as a head coach in a few years. But uh, I agree with what Bo said. They could have gone with that other model because there's no shortage of coordinators like that. But they clearly went with this model. Yeah, that's a good point because we, we've made the point that if you hire a defensive head coach with an offensive coordinator who's really good, he's going to get snatched up right away. Well, you know, there were two defensive coordinators that got hired uh, this offseason who were kind of younger and uh, fit that profile. I don't want to overstate what kind of like makeover this is going to be for the defense. Like they've played cover two, they've played cover three, they've played cover. I mean, they, they've played all these different types of coverages. So I don't, I don't think it's like they're starting from scratch. Uh, obviously there's anytime you have a new coaching staff, it's going to be different. I imagine some of the rules would be different, what they want to do. Uh, you know, the blitz schemes, all these, all those different types of things, but um, you're still sticking with a a four three, and I just think it might be more of doing more of some of those things you didn't do as much as as much of under Jim Schwartz. That was like the most confusing way anyone could ever say it. But uh, hopefully, you get my point. So, Shield, this the the Colts defense was it? You know, the case of uh, you know they had a very good defense. Were they good because? They disguised things well, and there was like, uh, you know, some chicanery going on, or was it like we do what we do and we do it well, and everybody knows where to be? That thing, a thing like that. That's a, that's a good question. I don't have like a definitive answer to that. I, I do feel like, given uh, his Gannon's background, that he will not be a we do what we do and uh, we do it every week type guy, you know, so I, I do think, I, I think someone was pointing out that last year uh, against the Chiefs, they kind of really switched it up and played man co- heavy man coverage in that game and uh, and played well against Kansas City. So I do think he is willing to uh, to sort of switch some of that stuff up. But again, they weren't blitzing a lot, certainly. And um, I, I thought that they're, I know that all the numbers suggest they had a very good defense. Uh, I never watched them and thought they were like a great defense. I thought they were a fine defense. I thought they were sort of middle of the pack and on some weeks they could be really good and on other weeks you could certainly uh move the football against them uh they they traded for DeForest Buckner and at that time they said the three technique was the most important player in that defense so if that's the case here obviously you have uh Fletcher Cox and would need a big role for him they had Darius Leonard who who was a very good is a very good uh, linebacker there and then of course we talked about Blackman at uh at safety so uh it's hard. It's a lot of guesswork because we don't know exactly what he wants to do based on uh, the different schemes he's been in. Well, that's what's so interesting about like the whole staff they're putting together is, you know, it's not like that Colts team was like this super successful organization that you're trying to raid. Like this is not like the Chiefs offense that you're trying to get uh, or, or anything else. But everybody they've hired is someone who has worked with Nick Sirianni before, except for um, Tracy except Rocker. for Tracy Rocker. And, you know, Nick Sirianni, that's great. You, you know, you pick your guy, you want to commit to him, you want to let him, like, build the organization in his vision. But, you know, he's been in the league 12 years, and those 12 teams he's been on, they've won a total of two playoff games. Like, this is not like he's worked with all these guys who have, uh, it, it, you know, gone on, like, these organizations have been so successful. It's almost like, um, it's almost like Sirianni's, like, uh, taking shots at the guys who they were working for, like... Uh, like remember when we worked for Ken Wisenhunt? He stunk, but if we had had the reins, we really would have turned things around. Like 
Um, it's just kind of funny. And, and obviously, you're limiting the pool that much. It's, it's hard to argue that you're getting the most qualified candidates, but maybe they're the candidates who can help uh, deliver Sirianni's vision, I guess. Well, that's a good transition to Shane Steichen, I think, right there, yeah. unless, unless anybody has anything else to say about Gannon, because he definitely fits the description that you just laid out there. I mean, they coach together with the Chargers, and it's like, all right, you know, you have your pick of any offensive coach to be your right-hand man uh, in the college ranks, in the NFL ranks, and you pick the guy who you worked with with the Chargers. And, you know, the if, if you want to sell this move, as some uh, national reporters have, saying, oh, you know, this guy did wonders with Justin Herbert, I would say we'll see about that. Yeah, uh, I on. mean, really, if you, if you study it, I, I think I had a tweet in like the last month of the season that said the Chargers were the most frustrating team in the NFL. And part of that was the way that they called games. I mean, if you looked at it, they were pretty run heavy on early downs. And then Justin Herbert would just like bail them out on third downs and make these incredible plays. And they ranked 31st in rushing DVOA and seventh in passing DVOA, which would suggest you should be passing the football a lot. I mean, even if those things are even, you should be passing the football a lot. If you are much better in terms of efficiency, passing it, then running it, then it's like not even a decision. And they never did that. Now, We'll get answers from Shane Steichen. I don't know how much of that was Anthony Lynn saying, hey, here's how we want to play, because, of course, that does happen where you take your uh, directions from the head coach. But in terms of that, that was pretty concerning. And that guys like Jim Trotter, uh, who have covered the league for a long time and are in San Diego and have covered that team, have suggested that it has been more, it was more of Pep Hamilton working with Justin Herbert than it was Shane Steichen. And I would also add, I mean, Justin Herbert, I don't want to make too much of his rookie season, but he certainly could be one of these guys who just gets a lot of coaches paid regardless of what they do just by being associated with him because he's really good. That happens with quarterbacks all the time. That happened with Adam Gase, uh, and that happens with, with many other quarterbacks. So I'm not going to look at it like Shane Steichen, man. He just you know took this raw, pathetic Justin Herbert kid who happened to be the sixth pick in the draft and uh, you know just molded him to have this incredible rookie season. So I'm not going to fly with that narrative if others want to sure if you want to sell me that you know he did some good things with him you know we'll do some more reporting and and figure out if we believe that's the case but uh, I don't know I thought that was a bit the hire could be fine but to me that was a, a pretty uninspiring hire yeah I think if, if you look at 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 the candidate alone right so you you take away the situation which obviously you can't do but it's it's a it's a fine hire. I'm I'm assuming uh, Sirianni is going to be calling plays, so that probably limits the type of candidate you're going to get. It it it, it doesn't exclude candidates, but uh, it's it, it certainly limits it. Shane Steichen has coordinator experience. He played the he played quarterback. He's worked with quarterbacks. He's he's young, so so that's fine. Where I have more of an objection to it is that. I think, and we all saw this with the Eagles staff in 2016, 2017, if you're coming in with an offensive background, it can help you to bring in someone from a different system, and, and, and then you can kind of meld different concepts. And, and what worked well with the Eagles uh, was, was Doug Peterson wanted to bring Frank Reich in because of certain passing concepts Frank Reich had. And they took, and Shield wrote about this that year, they, they took concepts from Jeff Stoutland and Deuce Staley that they learned when Chip Kelly was here. And then, of, uh, of course, John DiFilippo brought in things from his own background, and you kind of combined it. And 
and and and Bo mentioned this earlier. It's it's not like Nick Sirianni's coming in with this amazing system that you you just need to get the coaches to teach the system, right? Like I think that a diversity of experience on that staff coming from uh, different offensive systems would would be beneficial. Now, perhaps Shane Steichen in the three years since has developed his own ideas. Perhaps Sirianni in the three years since has has developed his own ideas. Perhaps they have different philosophies overall. But but when you look at the people that are that are on the offensive staff, at least from the passing side, between um, Sirianni, Steichen, and Kevin Petullo, you have people who've worked with Sirianni, and I think it could be beneficial for them if they got someone from outside that tree, perhaps, uh, to bring in different ideas and concepts. And we've talked, you know, we've talked so many times before about the Eagles' penchant for overcorrection, like based on things that went wrong the season before. And this, to me, reads like an overcorrection on, you know, the staff that they foisted upon Doug Peterson last year, where they're like, you go out and get guys from these different schemes, and then you guys just go collaborate in a room together. And it was a disaster. And so now it's just like, okay, just get the guys you like who you worked with and yeah. know exactly what you want to do, and that should work. It's like the total opposite temple. Yeah, Zach made a good point. I mean, between uh, between Petulo and Steichen, if you want one of those to be your right hand, because I do yeah. think it's important to have a somebody you're comfortable with, right? You know, it is that Frank Reich role where, um, you know, I'm getting like all these names confused. I'm like stumbling. <laughs> They've all, like, I never had to mention any one of these guys Jason before like Mraz. three days ago. And now I'm just saying all their names and trying not to screw it up. But uh, yeah, you are, you are looking for your version of Frank Reich. You know, if you're Sirianni and we assume he's going to call the place, we'll find out if that's definitely going to be true. But you're calling the plays. You want your, your right-hand man who can help you, you know, maybe, uh, um, he, he's the guy who's comfortable telling you what you're doing wrong. Maybe the guy who's comfortable being honest with you and telling you when he doesn't like something or uh, that you should fix something. So I think that's fine. I, I do think it's fine to have one coach there who's just like, you know, your person you're comfortable with. The person doesn't have to worry about, uh, you know, insulting you or, or anything like that. But to get two of them, I, I mean, I don't think that you need two of them here uh, from the same background. And what and what you guys said is right. I mean, there is a fine line. You don't want seven different guys from seven different schemes, all in the head coach who can't put it all together. And it looks a lot of lot like what we saw this season. However, it can help to have coaches from different backgrounds. And the head coach's job is to to put all that together and to make it work in one cohesive system. That This is what happened in 2017. When it works, it works really well. When it doesn't work, it doesn't work well at all. So maybe it was a situation where you go to Sirianni and you say, yeah, we, we think it's a, we want you to pick your coaching staff, but we think it would probably be a good idea. Let us know what you think if we can get some guys from different backgrounds so that we are able to be flexible, so that we are able to stay ahead of the curve, so that if there are some uh, concepts that they're using in the college ranks, yep. so whether it's uh, RPOs or, or other things that we want to incorporate, that they might have an expertise there, whereas it's not just all of us who have coached together and coached in the same system. And like Bo said, I mean, yeah, if it was the Chiefs, then maybe you do that. Because it's, I mean, the system is looks really good and has been working, but it's not like this is some 
innovative, cutting edge scheme that any of these guys has has worked on. So uh, maybe it'll work fine. And then, you know, the part we haven't mentioned so far today, people got mad we mentioned it last time. Uh, I don't think any of us really care is that this is <laughs> will now be the 23rd straight year that they don't have a black head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or general manager. And, and Zach, credit to you. I think you were the one who initially brought that um, to my attention. And it's been tough to shake when you look at the owner, again, bragging about hiring Ray Rhodes. And it's been a long time since that hire. And when the owner says diversity is at top of mind, there's only been one team who's gone longer without hiring a, a black coach or GM in one of those positions. And that's the New Orleans Saints. And so, uh, you know, uh, people, I tweeted about this earlier and people get mad and say, hey, it's just about hiring the best coach. Well, yeah, part of trying to find the best coach is casting a wide net and not just hiring the person you worked with three years ago. And if you're if you're committed to diversity, looking in sort of different areas, because it really can give you an edge. I mean, we see it. These guys are not getting shots. And there are very talented people out there uh, who really could add uh, value to your organization, specifically in a situation like this, where you're just kind of blowing up the entire coaching staff. It's an opportunity to do that. And they haven't done that so far with their hires. I'm, I'm sure some of the other assistants will be minority candidates, but it's something that Jeffrey Lurie's uh, going to have to answer for as well whenever we hear from him. Well, I, th- I, I think the uh, relevant discussion point on, on, on this particular hire is that uh, – if you're trying to identify, okay, what's what's the reason that there haven't been as as many black head coaches, and and one reason cited is that owners tend to look toward offensive coordinators, quarterbacks, coaches, right? People from that background, and there's a dearth of and and, and by the way, the Eagles fit that profile. That's where they have looked for their head coaches, right? Uh, and there are a, a dearth of black offensive coordinators. There are a dearth of black quarterbacks coaches. And so when you just look at, at the fact that the Eagles have not had a black offensive coordinator here, they have not had a black quarterbacks coach here uh, during Lori's time either, what, what that says is, is they are a part of the reason why this is a problem uh, because that pipeline is, it does, does not have enough coaches in it for where decision makers are looking to hire head coaches. Yeah. And it's, you know, this is the same thing in any hiring practice, right? You can look at any of those individual decisions they've made since hiring Ray Rhodes and justify it, but taken in a whole, you know, it's impossible not to say that, that they are not like um, biases that they are carrying with them in their hiring practices. It's just you know the 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 aggregate is is too much to argue with. It's just you know it's it's not a good look. Yeah, I would. And uh, the you know someone had mentioned that um, I'm, I'm trying to look at my uh, numbers here that uh, you know it's they haven't had a bunch of turnover but I think it's been now I can't find it of course uh let's see it's been seven how how many head coaches has it been you guys probably know it off the top of your head four head coaches right five now right well this is the fifth yeah this was this was Jeffrey Lurie's fifth hire 
Yeah. Okay, sense. but but since Ray Rhodes, this is this is four head coach in, in the yes. span we're talking about. Right, right. Um, yes. Four head coaching hires. I think it's been six or seven offensive coordinators, uh, six or seven defensive coordinators, and five general managers, which is six if you consider that they brought Howie Roseman back after he had been gone. And That's so uh, there there certainly have been um, opportunities there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. What else we got? Yeah, now, no, not, I, did, yeah, I, 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 I to get to a not as important uh, topic, I, I won the thing, right? The Bucks won, so I won. You did. Congratulations. Okay. Uh, you, you won the playoff pool. The, the Bucks won. And, uh, you know, it's still it's a stupid league, but but congratulations to you. Yeah, well why done. were you? That was, you, that, uh, was the, that was the number one overall pick. You did a good job. That's, what you, that's how you won. Uh, By the way, you can't just respect what like Tom Brady's done right now. I, you know I mean? I, I yeah, those three interceptions were really impressive. I understand you have your objections with Tom Brady, but but he's been the – this is what, his 10th Super Bowl? Is that right, 10th? Yeah, that's uh, right. Like that is – objectively speaking, that is incredible. Sure, of course it is. You know, And this is the way that this is – this is the only way that we can turn it to make it palatable is to make it about that Bill Belichick is actually not that good of a coach. Um, because if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, he will be the only – he will join Tom Coughlin as the only head coaches this century to win two Super Bowls without Tom Brady as their coach mm. or as their quarterback. That's interesting. How many has Belichick won? Six? He's won six. Uh, listen, Andy and Mahomes could definitely get to yeah. six. I mean, he. <laughs> we're not – we're like a year away from uh, – is like Andy Reid the greatest coach of all time? Really? I, I mean, think I think that's possible. I like I think you can make that argument. Mahomes willing, is what twenty six years old. I mean, it's incredible. It's the it's the weirdest career. I mean, think of Andy Reid's career. He goes twenty years where he wins a lot of games and you like most about him, but you're not fully there. And there are things to you know certainly make fun of or poke holes uh, about and of course they end up uh, firing him in there and now he's in his 60s and this is going to be without question barring you know uh, health issues or uh, anything like that this is going to be the most fruitful stretch of his career where usually I, I, I laugh when analysts are like oh you know this team in the offseason they got to build their team to compete with Team X you know how, you know how analysts do that sometimes right. but like right now it really is 31 teams have to figure out how how are you going to beat Patrick Mahomes uh, and specifically AFC teams, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Because like there's no end in sight. I mean, this is the beginning of what could be uh, an unprecedented run. And Mahomes completes him in so many ways and makes up for his flaws. Like watch them in two minute drills. Watch them at the end of games. I mean, Mahomes <laughs> does not need to look to the sideline to figure out when to call timeout, when to spike the ball, when to hurry up, when to slow down. Like that's probably that may be the most underrated part of his of his game, which I noticed last year was just like. If they make a mistake with some of that stuff, he's looking at the sideline and he's like, I rate, like, dude, I've got this, please. You do not 
need to help me here. And so he makes up for his flaws there. You know, some of the, the stuff in big games, whether it was, you know, I felt for a while like Reed's teams did not, were not at their best in the big moments, whether that was um, nerves or uh, whatever the case may be. But Mahomes just like makes up uh, for all of that. They can get down by three touchdowns and it doesn't matter. They're still going to win. So, uh, it's just such a weird career. I mean, 20 years in, He's so you, good. You, you reach your most fruitful stretch in your 60s. You know, that that's just like unusual. Did you know Mahomes has never lost a game by more than eight points? It's incredible. Yeah. He's unbelievable. He's yeah. the best quarterback I've yeah. ever seen. And it's, yeah. you see it every week. It's crazy. It's just it's, beginning. Yeah, it's nuts. Now, what about the uh, what about the coach turkeys thing? I was wondering, did I win that also? Who took the field? Uh, the field, right? Ooh, field. I think you might have. I think you won. Oh my that one. gosh! I think you I'm on fire. <laughs> can I? Can I? I think I should be able to sign off the podcast as a reward. No, let's no. not go too far. Okay. Right, you both can change the rules of the games. Yes. <laughs> well, that's good because uh, yeah, my picks have not that. been good. So hopefully, uh, this will make up for. It. Uh, okay, so we didn't. You know, we still haven't had a chance to talk to Nick Sirianni, guys. Uh, that press conference will be coming later this week, but um, we've gotten our first taste of him. As head coach of the Eagles, uh, thanks to the Eagles' uh, social media team. So let's uh, let's just go through the timeline of Nick Sirianni arriving in Philadelphia, starting with earlier this morning. With sorry the to caption, interrupt. Real quick, can I correct one thing? Yes. All right. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, it was 23 years because I, I know we'll get a lot of whatabouts here. Uh, it was 23 years where they have not had a full time. Uh, black head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or GM. Todd Bowles had the interim title. And if you want to talk uh, minority uh, coaches, they did have Juan Castillo for a season and a half there. And then one more little uh, piece of housekeeping because someone just tweeted this at you and I, Zach, I believe. I think there was a report that uh, Deuce Staley was offered the offensive coordinator position and turned it down. Uh, that is not my understanding. Um, you know, we, we, there's nothing, I, I think, uh, on the record, 100%, but that is not my understanding about uh, what happened there. Nor is it mine. Okay. And, and, and we should say, like, this isn't, uh, this hasn't been, like, an organizational um, emphasis not to hire a black candidate. He, I mean, over the years, you know, there, there, there have been a, a lot of candidates they've talked to. It's, it's been well documented that Andy Reid wanted to hire Marvin Lewis. Right, uh, 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 back in 1999, but you're obviously you're judged by the decisions that you make, not the decisions that you wanted to do. So that's like saying that the Eagles wanted to draft C.D. Lamb, right? Uh, but they but they drafted Jalen Rager. So well, he got taken. I mean, a lot, yeah. listen, a lot of yeah. times the guys. So. That, but no, I, I think it is a good point. I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Jeffrey Lurie will get compared to other owners. I, I think he. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this without like making an excuse for him, because at some point your actions are your actions. And, uh, you know, I think he could certainly benefit from someone kind of pointing these things out and saying, well, what's going on here? Do we need to take a closer look at this? I don't think it's something that he would just, uh, you know, poo poo and say, that's not yeah, important absolutely. to me. We're hot because in other areas of the organization, I think there was a, uh, a story in the Inquirer today in other areas of the organization, they have done a, better job. But, uh, you know, I don't like the sort of, well, that's fine. But what about this? What about this? Hey, they've had black quarterbacks. Hey, they tried to hire Marvin Lewis type thing, because, you know, at some point, 23 years is 23 years and you've had um, opportunities. So uh, I don't know if that sort of clears up no, what it, I was trying to say or not, but. 
And I also find like the, you know, they had an interview with Curtis Modkins uh, for the offensive coordinator job. And I find that stuff just so unbecoming because like, you know, it was reported that Steichen was probably going to be the OC like, you know, days ago. And they still have to go through this uh, dog and pony show with with Curtis Modkins. And it's like disrespectful to him. Now, you know, like he, he could say, stuff. He, I mean, he could really say like no if he wants Staley to, yeah, stuff, but yeah. it's like, and you know, it, it is a little bit like the the Rooney rule uh, stuff on the coordinators when you're hiring a new guy is, is dicey because they're going like, these guys are going into the interviews, bringing their staffs with like their staffing plan with them. Like these, this is who I want to hire as my OC in DC. So it's not like they're um, held to that standard, but then you still have to go through the process. So, you know, it's good that those guys get the experience of, of those interviews, I guess. Um, but it's just like the whole process is just a little unseemly. Yeah, but you know we've discussed this. That's that's how Mike Tomlin was hired, right? Like like he he was considered, I, I, he was not considered a favorite for that Steelers job, sure. but he 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 sat in front of them and he and he wowed them. But I I I would just add in. I I think Bo did a, a good job mentioning this. Like this isn't uh, a knock on the coaches and the you know because every single one of the or or, or just about. Every single one of these hires over the past two decades, like you can justify based on that person's credentials, right? Like, like when they had Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator in 2016, you know, he was an experienced offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer in 2013, he was a former mm-hmm. head coach and experienced offensive coordinator. Andy Reid's staff, you know, he didn't have a lot of uh, turnover at the coordinator level, but when he went from Rod Dalhauer to Brad Childress to Marty Mordenweg. Uh, when he went from Jim Johnson to Sean McDermott, like uh, those were all hires that you can justify. Uh, so it, I don't think it's about the particular coaches that we're talking about. It's it's more like Shiel said when you look at a two decade sample size, uh, it does stand out. Okay. All right. Let's continue get to with the, your exercise. The really important stuff. The uh, the nonsense. Uh, the Eagles start their. Um, their Twitter timeline today with the caption, bust a move if you're ready to meet our new coach. Hashtag Fly Eagles Fly. Now that's the ambient sound of uh, a runway, and we've got Swoop dancing around, uh, waving his arms or flapping his wings, I guess. And he's got a visor with a pen in it, I guess, an ode to Sirianni. Um, what do you guys make of that? And what, is this the point at which if you were Nick Sirianni, you would simply uh, not get off the plane and then back out of the job? You do realize this is not a video uh, podcast, <laughs> yeah, I was right? about to say that. Yes, that was, no, I think it's important. That was ambient uh, sound. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I, that's what I was, I was saying what he was doing. You know, he's all shaking right, his yeah. butt. So you're really going to have to uh, paint the picture here. Uh, all right, well, let's keep going. Right? You're giving us a TikTok here. Okay, next up we have Welcome Home Coach, and this is uh, Nick Sirianni descending the plane. He's got, uh, he's, he's got, and he gives a little hug to Howie Roseman and then Don Smolensky, you know, the handshake into the, into the hug, and then the hand, sh- and then the high five for Swoop, and another hug, and Swoop again is wearing the, uh, the pen thing, and then he, uh, Sirianni daps up Dom. And it looks like Sirianni notices the visor and pen. I'm not so sure he takes it well. What did you guys think? Uh, I'll be honest. I was just kind. Of, I was just kind of reading some tweets there and wasn't paying attention. Zach, do you want to take this one? I mean, I had no objection to that. They greeted 
They graded their new coach coming off the plane. It, it, that's what nice. about the swoop thing? I, I swoop should not be there. It was, it was, yeah, this is JV. This is JV stuff. <laughs> the swoop thing was, yeah. I mean, I don't know if 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 I just got hired to be the head coach of a franchise. I don't know how like moved <laughs> I would be by seeing the mascot. But <laughs> you know, look, they just they just flew you in on a private plane, right? Your uh, your general manager and your team president uh, uh, greet you on the runway. I don't have an objection with that. The team mascot, that might be a little much. It's not. It's. I mean, it's it's just rinky-dink stuff. Okay. Uh, well, we can skip the next one because it's just more airport sound, but he's uh, getting into the car and weirdly goes all the way in instead of uh, just getting into the right-hand seat. So then we get to he's arriving at the Novacare complex, and we've got the caption, let's get to work. And this is him getting out of the car. And uh, and walking in. What do you guys make of the suit that Sirianni's wearing? Well, I think he may, uh, and maybe uh, maybe Marissa can chime in with with her her take on this. But I generally feel like you want to go if you're going with a pattern, you know, a check or a plaid. That should only be on one piece of clothing. And so if your blazer is plaid or checked, you want to go solid shirt underneath, solid pant. If your uh, pants are patterned and, you know, I, I like a nice patterned pant. Then you want to go solid up top with the shirt and, uh, the blazer. And if your shirt is checked or plaid, then you want to go solid with the blazer and with the pant. Marissa, your, your thoughts on that. Is Marissa well, I mean, us? you oh. were the, you, you right. are the, um, the clothing, Mr. Indochino. Yes, correct. So I don't know. I think, I think you got it nailed down right there. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I Linda. think you're right. Sheila. It's, it's, it's too clashy. The, 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 uh, the big checkered patterns. And if you were going to, if you were going to do that, you know, um, somebody who knows better than me was saying that you got to do like one of them has to be a small checkered. Like they have to be like really contrasting styles. It's th- these are too similar the shirt mm. and the jacket. Yeah, I, I like that it was a nice jacket. I think you just go with a nice crisp, uh, maybe white button down underneath that, and uh, you would be good to go. I agree. All right, wait, next. Wait, up. I I just want to add just uh, one thing here. Um, <laughs> this is not about his attire, but uh, the the drive from the airport to the team facility made me think oh, about yeah. this. You had a real savage tweet. Oh no, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't referring to that. Um, but uh, this is something that that players have remarked to me uh, before in the past, and. And I should uh, preface this by saying, like, I, I love Philadelphia. There's nowhere I would rather live. I, I, I've lived in five different cities. This, is, this is the best place in the, in the world. I wonder live. if this is but, what I, I, I have a but similar if, thought if, here. I want to hear if, this. If you've never been to Philadelphia uh, or, like, this is your, you, you just signed a contract or you just became <laughs> a coach, and, and, and your first introduction is that commute from the airport to the team facility. <laughs> it's it's not like oh my god, I'm in paradise here. That's I mean, true. you're you're driving by uh, smokestacks and yes. and uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 uh it's something players have 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 said before. It's it's not this like beautiful vestige into the city. Oh my god, I, I have heard. We've never talked about this before. I've heard the same thing that uh, a story of, and I can't remember now if it was a free agent or a draft prospect, but basically getting picked up at the airport and going over <laughs> the Platte Bridge, and like yeah. whoever was driving, going like, "This could all be yours," or, or like something real cheesy, you know? And the guy's like looking out, going, "What the hell?" 
it's like it's like taking you know it's yeah i agree it's a great city there are a lot of there are a lot of great um areas to show off uh but that that made me crack up that it's you know these sunoco uh smokestacks there (laughs) it's just like dark and dreary this could be yours please come play for the philadelphia eagles and I, I, I thought about that because they uh, apparently had a uh, billboard. Jeff Skaversky from 6ABC uh, put a, a video of this. They had a billboard on the drive that says, like, welcome to Philly, Coach Sirianni. Uh, but it's it, like the billboard is in front of smokestacks, basically. So so it's not the best representation of, of Philadelphia. It's you're like, sitting in a car with Swoop sitting next to you, and you're passing, like, the, the, the refineries with, the, with yes. the fire coming out of the stacks. Yeah. And you pass that you pass that gas station uh, on Patterson, and this is all yours, baby. <laughs> you, yeah, you want to get you want to you get some subway from the Sunoco here. <laughs> uh, yeah, the billboard. It's like uh, it's like Club Risque, you know, Robin's Eighth and Walnut. Welcome, Nick Sirianni. To Stop nursing, home neglect. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, It's a Great Day to Be an Eagle, and he walks into uh, the auditorium. This is good content, guys. This is a 10-second clip. It's very it's very good stuff. I missed right, him going ne- into the auditorium, I think. Well, the, the person who's shown him around, I got to say, what a head of hair. Yeah, who I gotta is say, that? I, is that I would like say his, best, he- best head of hair in the organization. Oh, it's someone with the no. Eagles. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's the uh, travel coordinator. Okay. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dan Ryan. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Great. I, I mean, the the lettuce that he's that he is showing off, the flow is, it's unbelievable. Yeah, director hired, of team travel and football logistics. Yeah. Uh, I'll they should have hired him. Canada. Yeah. Literally all uh, I could focus on during those videos. <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable. He's stealing the show, uh, and and then we get another peek at uh, at Dan Ryan's flow when we get to uh, the next tweet, which is new digs, and this this might be the highlight. What y'all have out here? This was where tables were set this up. Was, yeah, dining oh, okay. was here, and then two further down to the right, on the left, are uh, additional weight rooms that we built. Did y'all do training camp here? We do. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Wow. <laughs> Kevin, look at this. That's huge. That's hundreds. Yep. Yeah. Was it three full fields? Three full fields. Yeah. So you got two side by side. So, so a couple uh, important notes here. Do you find it bizarre that Sirianni didn't know where training camp was before he signed on to be the the coach? I found that very bizarre. I I know it, <laughs> it came up in in Doug Peterson's interview. Now now perhaps uh, there's some nuance. To this perhaps he was wondering if like if these are the fields they do training camp. If there's another mm. location there. I saw someone on uh, on Twitter speculate. Was he asking? Did they do training camp? Uh, meals and, and weight room this year outside because they had just shown him the makeshift weight room and the makeshift eating place. I if if he was genuinely wondering if the Eagles stay there for training camp or go somewhere else, <laughs> then I'm I am curious how much they got to during the interview process. <laughs> That's a red flag for you. I mean, well, uh, well, not for Sirianni, for the Eagles, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, for you, for the hiring process. Yeah, like I, I would think your plan for training camp would come up, right? I would think so. 
Yeah, I mean, th those are all possibilities. So you're right. I don't want to uh, say definitively, but it's, I think, I, I don't know. I thought watching it that he did not, that he was asking, do you have training camp here or do you travel somewhere for training camp? And that I, I would agree with you that, you know, what did they meet with him for like 18 hours and that didn't come up? I mean, I, I've heard in the past, I don't know if it was the, they I think were too the, smitten. I think it was the Chip Kelly uh, hiring process, or maybe it was a previous one that, um, you know, they asked like every candidate about whether they would rather have, like, I remember Jeffrey Lurie kind of uh, not bragging about it, but saying at some point, you know, when we did the interview process, every candidate said it would be easier to have training camp in South Philly at Novacare than it would be to go to Lehigh, like when they were explaining why they weren't going to Lehigh anymore. So I would think that would be something uh, that would come up, but uh, I'm not sure exactly. Well, Doug what... Peterson shares this, he shared this anecdote in his book. He, he, he said it was a funny moment from his interview that uh, they brought up training camp and he said, I can't wait to get back to Lehigh. And they said, well, uh, Doug, we've, we've moved training camp to Philadelphia. And then Doug pauses a beat and he says, I can't wait the whole training camp at the Novacare complex. <laughs> and, and like the whole, and the whole room cracked up. And, and uh, he, he said that was a, a light moment from the interview. Um, so I got to imagine it, it came up in some regard. Maybe uh, uh, Sirianni read, read his book and thought he, tr he'd, he'd try to make the same joke and win the room over. <laughs> Well, we know he loves the book Fearless, just a different one. <laughs> yeah. Just a different one, yeah. Uh, the other funny thing here, asking about the length of the fields, which I know uh, you think is funny, Zach, because the question is whether he had already seen the practice bubble or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that he's fact-checking, right? He's like, this is 100 yards. You know, I always enjoy someone who, who makes sure that, he's, that he confirms his facts. But uh, I was saying that, that they should make sure that they don't show him the indoor facility on the tour because that is not 100 yards. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's what happened. Maybe they already showed him the indoor gotcha. facility, and, that, and then they told him that one wasn't 100 yards. So then he had to check what these, these ones are, 100 yards, right? As someone who doesn't enjoy, uh, you know, a lot of small talk, I, I guess I can kind of appreciate. Although I wouldn't say I'm bad at the small talk. I think I'm fine at the small talk, uh, but I don't really enjoy it. But uh, I, I don't know if that's, um, yeah, his preferred sort of environment uh, mode of communication when he's throwing out stuff like, these are where the tables are? A uh, hundred yards? Okay. Well, uh, well, you know, you, you can tell he's uncomfortable because he, he reaches for the... Um, uh, the lifeboat that he has, which is Kevin. He he called because yeah. so Kevin Petrullo must be yeah. with him, and he's you can tell that he's calling in Kevin because he doesn't know what else to do. Like, come take a look at this, Kevin. Oh well, listen, it's 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 uh, not an easy situation. Although I will say, I was telling my friends this. I feel like uh, in during the pandemic, I've sort of enjoyed the small talk with strangers a little bit more like when i call i've had to call a couple places for some things around the house and you Flex. know th this woman's telling me that uh you know she lives in oregon but her and her fiance are moving to pennsylvania and uh, you know we're going on we're talking about my drives from uh philadelphia to state college during my college days and we're going over where she grew up in this small town and uh, you know pre-pandemic i would have been doing everything i could to get off the phone and go and leave me alone, lady. But I, you know, I, I kind of liked uh, hearing about it a little bit. So, uh, listen, things are, uh, when I texted this to my friends, they asked if, uh, are you trying to tell us that someone is holding you hostage right now? Uh, because they <laughs> thought it sounded uh, very uh, out of character. But uh, there, there was another situation like that, too, which I uh, can't remember. Oh, yeah. The yes, other one. I the, think 
The other one was my computer wasn't uh, wasn't working. Uh, you know, I had the Thunderbolt issue, which I was asking for uh, for help with, and so I had to call Apple and the guys walking me through it, but he had to log into my computer. And so I had some windows up and he goes, are you an Eagles fan? Which, you know, first of all, come on, guy, you're not, you're not a little supposed creepy. to be yeah. looking at that. But then, he, you know, he's telling me he's a Dolphins fan. He's breaking down uh, Penny, Penny Sewell. Is that, I pronounced that wrong. Penai. Penai. Penai Sewell. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that. So, yeah. <laughs> Film. And uh, I was kind of like, all right, you know, we can talk some draft for a couple minutes. I don't mind this. So uh, it's a very strange time in whatever month we are of, of this pandemic. Yes. I think, I think this is the official uh, demarcation <laughs> that quarantine has, and, and this pandemic has gone too long because it has lasted long enough for S.H.I.E.L.D. to crave human contact. Yeah, I, I, I just I, thought I it was. Agree with that. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that, um, you know, when Jeffrey Lurie was talking about how great this job is, he, he mentioned the facilities that the Eagles have, and, <laughs> and they hire these coaches without even bringing them to the facilities. I, I imagine, uh, and I say this partly in jest, but, you know, that they do these interviews, the facilities come up, and Jeffrey looks around his, his home down in, in Palm Beach and says, they probably look a lot like this, and guys are like, "Sign me up! I want this job." You know? Yeah. Well, Novacare Complex was cutting edge at one point. It is, you know, it's what 20, 20 years old now. Yeah, it's it's a nice place to work. But. It's a very nice place to work, but you know, it's not like uh, an advantage over other organizations. I would say. <laughs> but, but my point uh, is, like, like they literally didn't fly right. anyone to the facility. Everything was down in Florida. Right. Well, next up, we have uh, taking it all in as. Uh, Nick Sirianni tours the, uh, you know, the images on the walls of the Novacare complex, and he is particularly taken by the picture of Sylvester Stallone. Pointed out to Kevin. Now, if this seems not that interesting. Uh, we're not the ones who put out the content, just just so you guys know that. Uh, next up, and this is a fun one. This uh, I think this is the last one, and this is Nick Sirianni getting a tour of his office, and it's called A New Chapter Begins. All right. I don't want to look at the camera, right? It's time to get to work. Nice. Wow. Iconic picture right there. I love this picture. That is sweet. What do you guys think of iconic picture? What's the funniest iconic picture? What's the funniest that picture could have been? <laughs> like I was trying to come up with a joke there, but was struggling. Like that was Bo's yearbook picture from when he worked for the Eagles, mm. and it's just uh, on the wall there. That'd be good. That's or the... like uh, you know a picture of Doug's like I don't know <laughs> something that he's leaving for the guy behind him. All right, I don't know what to make of that one. It was Zach, the, uh, what were you yeah, it was it was the Chuck Benderick, it was the Chuck Benderick Frank Gifford picture. That is yeah. an iconic picture. And, yeah. and by the way, I mean I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna defend you know the Eagles web team here a bit. Like I I I like any type of behind the scenes access, right? You know you're you're showing us the guy seeing it for the first time. You know what? If 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 they had you know cheerleaders cheering in the hall, you would say it's hokey. No, this is what he's this is where he's he's gonna be working. I enjoyed the content. I, I didn't object to it. Listen, I'm I'm coming from a place of love. This is yeah. this is where I worked. This is this is what I did. You know, this is fair I mean, enough. We, we dug coal together, so <laughs> this is uh, 
I'm just, you know, we, we we joke because we love. Listen, I watched every single one of those videos. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on I'm on uh, pins and needles trying to trying to look dig for uh, something interesting here, but. Now, it's I, a, you know, it's a tough spot to put Sirianni in. He's like, you no, know, I'm not supposed to look at the camera here, right? But they, but then we leave that in. I don't know. Well, it's funny. Okay. Now, I was thinking of doing this as an article, but I don't feel like doing it. Or are either are you going to do this? I was thinking of doing like a a faux Nick Sirianni press conference, like how Nick Sirianni can win his first press conference in Philadelphia. What do you think, Bo? That could be down your alley. You got other stuff to work I've got on. En- I got enough to work okay. on. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to do a faux one like now and ask me a few questions? Thirteen Or do you want to end the podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, Nick, how are you? Unless Zach, um, unless Zach, if you wanted to be Nick, I don't want to steal it. Oh uh, no, that's fine. We can okay. do competing Nicks. We can do competing Nicks and see how we handle these questions. Oh, okay. Bo, okay. Right, I'll ask asks. the questions. Okay. I like this. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll start off. Uh, Bo Wolf. From the athletic and uh, shield, Nick. I'll start with you. Uh, first of all, are are you going to be calling plays? Bo, thanks for that question. Very nice to meet you. Excited to be here. You know, we haven't made any firm decisions on that type of thing, but uh, you know, I did have a call earlier with Brian Dawkins, and you know, we were talking about all kinds of things, play calling, offensive, defensive, and he was just stressing the importance of making sure that my identity aligns with the identity of this city. So uh, we've got a lot of time before week one, before we, we we work all that stuff out. And I promise you, as soon as I figure that out, it's, it's not something I want to. Uh, I'm trying to hide or be vague or anything like that. I just want to get the details sorted out with my staff and uh, we'll definitely let you guys know as soon as we have an answer on that. Uh, all right, Nick Zach, um, or Zach Nick, I have a question for you. This is uh, this is also Bo Wolf from um, The Athletic. I'm curious, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Carson Wentz, what his future is. Uh, how much did your specific plan for Carson come up in the interview and do you expect there to be a quarterback competition this summer? Who's going to be your quarterback? Bo, I appreciate the question. It's 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 nice to meet you over over the computer. I, I look forward to doing so in person. As as far as Carson Wentz goes, I don't want to make any declarations without having the chance to sit down, look at him in the eyes, uh, talk to him. Certainly, a very talented quarterback. I studied him coming out of the draft. I I watched him on the other sideline back in 2017 when, when I was with the Chargers. And, and it's impossible not to watch Carson Wentz it's, and, and not be impressed with him. Uh, that being said, it, it would be unfair for any of our players if I stood up here today and, and said, this is, this is the person who's going to be our starting quarterback. This is the person who's, who's going to be our, our, our backup quarterback. So looking forward to getting a chance to meet with them. And I promise you that uh, as, as we go farther down this process, I'll have a more definitive answer for you. Uh, Shield Nick, uh, this is uh, Jeff McLean from The Inquirer. Uh, do you think that you can get along with Howie Roseman? Jeff, great to meet you. Look forward to working with you this season and beyond. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Howie Roseman is a Super Bowl winning general manager in this league. And, you know, we talk about kind of that that friction, that conflict that makes organizations great. I remember I was a big Allen Iverson fan uh, growing up and, you know, hearing the stories about AI and Larry Brown. And, you know, it wasn't always the easiest thing, but you know what? They found a way to work together well. They made it to an NBA finals. And uh, Howie and I have an understanding. You know, he does a great job on the personnel side. He's made a lot of great decisions. He knows everything about this organization inside and out. And I, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be here in Philadelphia. This wouldn't have even been as appealing uh, 
as of an organization without the chance to get to work with Howie Roseman. So uh, I don't foresee any issues. In fact, I think it's going to be a great partnership for years to come. Uh, Nick Zach, this is uh, Jeff Skaversky from uh, ABC7. Uh, how do you like your cheesesteak? Uh, uh, Jeff, uh, is there a place you recommend? You know, uh, you're from here. I'm just, I'm just moving here with my family. Where do you say I should go? Oh, I'm a big Pats and Geno's fan. Okay, all right. Well, I, I, I will try that out. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Jeff. Uh, I, I'm, so, I'm so happy to be here in Philadelphia. I, I grew up in Jamestown, New York. It's six hours away, but a similar type of, of blue collar city and uh, great fans here. I've, I've, I've heard all about that. But I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I'm here to win Super Bowls. I'm I'm not here for the I'm not here for the cuisine. So if anyone wants to send cheesesteaks to my office, by all means, I will eat them. But uh, my goal is to win Super Bowls, and I I pass that that uh, that couch up there in my office. I imagine I'm gonna have some late nights there trying to figure out how to win. Um, Coach Nick Shield, this is uh, Tim McManus from ESPN. Uh, Shield Capadia tweeted something the other day that you know has caught people's attention. Uh, the Eagles have have not had a a black head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or general manager in in twenty three years, and it's hard to look at your staff and not see the lack of diversity. Uh, how much did you consider that in putting together the staff that you put together? T Mac, big fan of Burst twenty four seven back in the day. By the way, I thought that was really a pioneering uh, website, so I've been following your work closely ever since. Listen, it is absolutely a very legitimate issue. And, and all I would ask is wait for our entire staff to come together. Diversity is absolutely important to me. It's important to this entire organization. It's something I talked about with Jeffrey Lurie, but I don't, I don't want to stand up here and, and talk about it, you know, cause that does not uh, get us anywhere for sure. We want to be about it. And, uh, you know, I just ask you to wait till our entire staff, uh, comes together. You know, sometimes patience is good. You know, when Jimmy Rollins was guaranteeing that the Phillies were the team to beat in the NL East over the Mets. I mean, I still remember that like it was yesterday and people thought he was crazy, but guess what? Patience paid off. And all of a sudden you had a world series champion in this city. So I just asked for, uh, asked for a little bit of patience here. And uh, we absolutely are going to be committed to building. I, I will tell you this, one of the most diverse staffs in the entire NFL. Um, Coach Nick Zach, uh, this is Dave Zangaro, and uh, I think there's a lot of you know focus on your relationship with Frank Reich, and it's it's you know it's a curious situation because he worked with Doug Peterson, and of course Doug Peterson was fired after after winning the Super Bowl. So you know what what kind of advice did Frank give you? What kind of background did he give you on the Eagles organization? Hey hey Dave, speaking about background, what's that in in your background on 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 your Zoom shot? What's going on back there? Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyways, what's the question? That, oh, oh, okay, yes, we're asking about Doug Peterson. Um, yeah, and Dave, Frank Reich, and, your relationship and, and, with Frank. And, and, and Frank Reich. Uh, so, Dave, you know, Frank Reich is, is an outstanding coach. He's, he's been uh, so pivotal for my career when, when we first met in San Diego and our, 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 our families got to know each other. His, his family's very close to mine. And, uh, and, and then joining him in Indianapolis, I learned so much from Frank. I, I wouldn't be here without Frank Reich. And uh, Frank has, has always told me about Doug Peterson. And, and when, when Frank came in, he shared a, a lot of what made uh, Doug such a good coach. And, and, and that's the truth with Doug. And I'll just say this. I can't come in here trying to replace a Super Bowl winning coach. I can't be Doug Peterson. 
all I can be is 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 Nick Sirianni, and uh, I I have a lot of confidence in what brought me to this point, and certainly the organization has shown that confidence in in, in me, and I'm I'm going to try to prove them right. I'm not going to try to be anybody else. I'm just going to try to be Nick Sirianni. All right, we've got time for two more. Let's go to uh, Shield Kapadia. Uh, hey, Nick uh, Nick Shield, this is Shield Kapadia from the Athletic. Um, what is your what is your offensive identity going to be? Shield, great dome there, my man. You must have you must have taken that Mach three to that bad boy this morning. I love it. Uh, very good. Uh, offensive identity. You know, uh, I'll tell you this. I, I remember watching the Eagles win that Super Bowl against the Patriots in Philly special before halftime, and I just thought that that's the type of team I want to have. The type of offense, one that's daring one that's courageous, one that you know brings unexpected concepts and plays to the opponent. And so we're going to do all of those things. We're going to be aggressive. We want to score, score, and score some more. I mean, our solution to any problem when we're not winning games is to score more points. And I think that's uh, really what we're going to be focused on. And so in terms of identity, we want to do a lot of different things. I mean, we look at the analytics. We know about uh, being aggressive on fourth down. We know about how play action can help our quarterback. We want to lean into the college ranks with some of the run pass options. We want to push the ball downfield. We are not going to be a dink and dunk operation. I can tell you that much. We want to be diverse with our formations, with our personnel. We want to give defensive coordinators a headache every Monday night, every Tuesday, when they're trying to game plan against us and trying to figure out what we're going to do. We want to make that process very difficult for them. And and I'll tell you what, I I know some of this sounds vague and that's because we're not going to be static. We're not going to line up and play the same way week after week after week. Defensive coordinators are too smart. Defensive players are too good to do that. And so we're going to need to adjust not only at halftime, not only in game, I'm talking series to series, play to play. And that's why it's very important that my staff and I are on the same page with our players. That was a great answer. All right. Last question uh, is Zach Berman. Hey, uh, Coach Zach, Nick, this is uh, Zach Berman. Uh, very nice to meet you over Zoom. Uh, I actually have two questions for you. One is, uh, you know, nobody's asked about Jonathan Gannon. So I want to ask you what impressed you about him working with him over the past few years? Why did you see him as a, a potential rising star at defensive coordinator? And then my second question, could you tell us a little bit more about your meeting your wife at the um, at the apartment complex and what are your favorite three scenes from Sweet Home Alabama? Thanks for the time. Hey, Zach, are, are you the one who has been calling all these people uh, <laughs> throughout all hours of the day? I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to be here for a long time, Zach. Uh, you and I are going to get to know each other. I'm, I'm going to have you up in my office. Uh, but just just let these people breathe. Take some time with your wife and kids for a bit, okay? Um, now, 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 let me uh, get back to your question. As, That's as, pretty bold coming from you, Coach. <laughs> you know, you sleep in the office Tuesday to Thursday. I've read, and I've read it everything. As, that's a good point. Why well, I, I appreciate the interest you're showing. Uh, as, as, as far as Johnny Gannon goes, uh, I'll tell you this, when, when you're thinking about what coaches you want on your staff, you're thinking about the people who give you headaches, who are the ones you don't want to play against. Every day in practice, my offense was going up against that secondary, and I just saw the way they were prepared, the, the, the different nuances of the game that they understood, the way they were drilled on the fundamentals. You, you need to understand, we are teachers, first and foremost, and the way he taught his defensive backs how to play. And, you know, when, when you're in my position, you don't know 
when you're going to be a head coach. You don't know if you're going to be a head coach, but in the back of your mind, you're always keeping that list. And and I had Jonathan Gannon at the top of that list. And when I sat down uh, with Jeffrey Lurie, uh, when I sat down with, with Mr. Lurie, I should say, I don't know why I, I call him Mr. Lurie, but I, I suppose he's my boss, so I have to. Uh, and I was I was there with Howie. Uh, he was saying that that uh, that what's your staff going to look like? And and Jonathan Gannon was the the first name that I mentioned. And and you in Philadelphia, you guys are going to love him. I, I can't wait for you to get the chance to meet him. Uh, as as far as as meeting my wife, uh, uh, you know, I'm a I'm I'm just a football guy. I'm a football coach. And and uh, I I was I was coming home from from work one day, and and I I, I saw this this uh, beautiful woman in the, in the apartment complex. But you know what? Uh, more important than that that is is uh, just a, a wonderful person and uh, a wonderful mother. And and uh, we're just so happy to move here to Philadelphia. All right, Coach, thanks for the time. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Home run segment. I think, you're, I think you're both hired. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to do this segment. This is like the best yeah. segment we've had all year. I don't know. Do we? What, what do we do this every week? Or, uh, you know, I think the setup is great. We can rotate who's asking the questions, uh, keep it fresh. I don't know. Maybe we do it like every, um, uh, I don't know, maybe once a week during the season or something. I don't know if that would be overkill. Oh, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I thought it worked out well. It's good. It's good, especially for the, uh, you know, when there's a lot of questions to be asked. Did I, is there anything I left on the uh, cutting room floor? Anything you were expecting to be asked? Uh, no, uh, no I, it, it, go it ahead, actually, it, it's, it's, uh, it was very good uh, perspective because you don't know what question's coming. So, you know, when, when you're mm. a coach, uh, it's, it's, it's good training. You can think of what certain answers would be and they can prep you, but you don't know how a question's going to be phrased. You don't know when it's coming and, and you're on the spot. It's not like when we. It's not like responding to an email, and, and you right. can just backspace and, and change what you say. Somebody was uh, saying the other day um, that that you know they, it's like a pet peeve of theirs when somebody says good question, like whoever the the guy is after or woman after every question, which I think Sirianni does. But that's a that's a time saver. I mean, that's a oh yeah. That's like a, it's a buffer to get you a, a chance to get your thoughts together, right? I do it on radio all the time. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I mean, you can really tell when you ask a terrible question and they say good question. You're like, come on. You know, that was like my worst question I've ever asked. But uh, I had a list, and we'll see if uh, Sirianni won. I had a list of the stuff I wanted to hit on. And so I knew I needed to mention Brian Dawkins, Allen Iverson. You know, the Jimmy Rollins thing might have been a little bit forced, but mm -hmm. I, I tried to uh, make it work there. I did want to fit in the Brandon Graham uh, sack against uh, against Tom Brady. So I think if there was one more question, I definitely would have tried to uh, try to fit that in. But uh, yeah, it sh it shouldn't be that hard. I think you know Zach and I we might get our own uh, PR firm or something after uh, if people if the right people hear that exercise. You could roll it in with the uh, the head the coaching searching firm that we're going to start. There you go. We can do it yeah. all. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. That was a nice little preview of our next episode, which will be recapping how, uh, how Nick Sirianni does as he deals with the fire of the Philadelphia media. So for Zach and Sheila and Marissa, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. And as always, we love you.